This is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, Coffee with Carrie, then make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe, and take a sip of coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. And then share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement too. You can also find me at Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think, no, I know, you're going to be encouraged. I have some of the most awesome homeschooling friends, and this week, I want to share two of them with you. Our topic this week is how to homeschool when you're outnumbered, and how to do it well, and without going a bit loony in the process. This week, I'm having a little coffee and conversation with my fellow Italian mama friend, Jessica Petavolano, and my favorite Brit, Anita Fisher. I wanted you to meet these two ladies in particular because they each have four kids and they homeschool all of them. Now, Jessica Petavolano has been married for 22 years and is a mama to four kiddos. She planned on homeschooling one year at a time, one kid at a time. And well, here they are on their homeschooling journey 13 years later. And then there's Anita Fisher. She's a mom of four, ages 12 to 18. Her youngest will be entering seventh grade while her oldest is venturing off to college this year to study aerospace engineering. She's homeschooled for the last 13 years and will continue for as long as God allows. As well as homeschooling, Anita runs a small dance studio, works with a couple of local theater groups, and is a pastor's wife. Now, when I say the proof is in the pudding, I mean it. I have had the privilege of walking this homeschooling journey with these two beautiful ladies and their totally awesome kids. So get comfy and get ready to be encouraged and inspired. Hi, ladies. I'm so excited that you could join me for this week's podcast. We're going to be talking about how to homeschool large families. And I know that you two have been blessed with four each. And I think it's pretty cool. You both have three girls and one guy. Mm -hmm. So this should be a lot of fun. So Anita, can you start and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your, your homeschooling? Well, I don't know if you can tell by my voice, but I am... British. Um, My dad was a military guy, so I spent a lot of my childhood traveling around. And I say that it is is his fault that I live in the United States because he gave me my adventurous spirit and my inability to be content doing the same thing all the time. So um, I came over to New York when I was in my late teens, and I toured with a dance company, which brought me over to the United States, and I eventually met my husband, and I have been here now for over 22 years. Um, I have four kids. As Carrie said, I have three girls and one boy, very blessed and very busy. Homeschooling was not in my vocabulary whatsoever. 
had no intention of homeschooling, didn't even know what it was. Um, when I married my husband, the church that we were connected to had a K through eighth grade school. I was set up. My kids were going to go there, get a great Christian education, love the teachers. But that closed about a year before my oldest was due to enter school. So the only thing that my husband and I could come to an agreement on was I would need to homeschool. So I really, somebody had been around at that point to help educate me. I wish I'd done my research to find out a little bit more about it, or I wish that I'd had Carrie as my mentor. It would have been so much easier. My oldest was already self-reading by that point and really good at worksheets. So we did not homeschool. We actually did school at home because the only model I knew was public school. So that is what we tried to do. I'm grateful that I did not damage anybody. (laughs) I'm really grateful for the fact that eventually we joined up with other homeschoolers. And I think throughout the years, they have taught me to loosen up and to actually homeschool. Um, So that's pretty much, in hindsight, I would definitely have had a lot more fun in the beginning years and not been so uptight. I can't picture you being uptight, but okay, if you say so. (laughs) And Jessica, my beautiful friend, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and why you started homeschooling. It's interesting how similar, um, well, I'm not British, but other than that, (laughs) what, uh, how Anita and I feel like our stories are very similar and they align. Um, Homeschooling was not on my radar. I, at the time, was a school psychologist in public schools, and I was going to be a working mom. And my husband said, no, we need to homeschool. And I'm like, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. But acquiesced kindergarten one kid at a time, one year at a time. And um, here we are 13 years later. So um, I also schooled at home and not homeschooled. In the beginning, uh, one of my biggest regrets, except I didn't even know it at the time, was um, I didn't have support like I feel like there is now. Um, I've sought out support, and as as Anita said, if I had a if I had Carrie way back when, it definitely would have <laughs> oh, looked <girl>. different. <laughs> It's true. Uh, Just having confidence in what I wanted to do versus what I felt like I was supposed to do. Um, And so I I am so thankful. I wouldn't do it any other way. I would not do it any other way. Um, I've just been chatting uh, with friends and my husband about the transitioning of older, older students and high school students, but, and what that feels like now. But um, came into it feeling a little forced and sure, acquiescing to my husband of like, we'll do it one year, one kid and see how it goes um, and just fell in love with the culture that we were starting to create and wishing I could go back and, and do it honestly all over again yes. um, with a little more of a relaxed um, feel. I'm still very, very... Um, Schedule type A, I guess, orientated, which which be considered negative, but I think it's um, having a schedule is important to me. But 
being okay with the flexibility in areas. Um, I'm now able to do that and we have a little more freedom in our homeschooling and that's allowed my kids to um, grow in their strengths as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the push. Well, thank you. I will send you guys checks later when this is over. The wonderful uh, <laughs> and compliments. All right. So if I had one word to describe our homeschooling um, and our homeschooling lifestyle, I think the one word that comes to my mind for our family is chaotic. Hmm. Um, and I only had two kids that I had to keep safe and feed and nurture. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, teach them. Um, so I can't even imagine what it was like for you guys um, to be mama and nurse and chauffeur and counselor and teacher um, for for four different kids. Um, and I know your kids because I've had the privilege and pleasure mm-hmm. of teaching every single one of them. So I know how uniquely different and, and beautiful each of them are. So I just, how would you guys describe your homeschooling style? You've kind of already talked a little bit about that, how you started off, you know, very school at home and, and kind of worked your way more towards a relaxed kind of approach. But um, what would you say is your homeschooling style now or your vision? Organic. Constantly changing to fit the child and the family's situation. I think being so rigid in the beginning over the years, I've had to learn to loosen up and let things happen the way they're going to happen. And each child learns so differently that you think, I mean, even in the beginning, you buy curriculum, expecting it to fit all four kids. And the second one comes along and you realize it's a misfit. Not the kid. Not the kid. The kid's not the misfit. No, no, no. The curriculum is the, the curriculum. misfit. Okay. And you suddenly realize that you think curriculum is going to do four kids and it actually only does one because each of them have a slightly different learning pathway and a, a way that they comprehend stuff. So I would say organic. Um, And I'd also say that we have attempted to give them a classical education. I say attempted because I don't think that we're quite rigid enough to fall completely into the classical education, if you read the true classical meaning. But, you know, we have tried to develop their love of learning instead of just teaching for the sake of teaching. And I think Jessica mentioned that even in her last thing, each kid has a different love and we've been able to pursue and follow those. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to to be a purist in the homeschooling community anyway, because as you grow and as your kids grow um, and your needs grow and their strengths and weaknesses come out, um, you know, you might be classical for three or four years, purist, but then you know, something happens in the mix where that's just not working anymore. So what about you, Jessica? What would you like describe your homeschooling style now that you're um, not doing school at home? Um, Now that we are officially homeschooling, (laughs) I would say um, simple or simplifying, trying to simplify I just wish, you know, if I can go back, I just wish that I would have focused on things that mattered to the heart of my children 
more than the actual curriculum. And uh, something that I've taken from you, Carrie, again, um, it's it's been in your uh, mom, your mom homeschooling uh, events yes, in March. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, something that you've said, and it's something I've written down, but it's perspective should be placed on acceptance into heaven and not Harvard. Um, relationship over scholarships, character over curriculum, and progress over perfection. And if I was able to truly, truly, truly focus on my personal relationship with God first and foremost, then the actual focus on what He wants my kids to do in their academics um, comes into play. And I was so focused on um, the actual academics and then what curriculum I felt fit into the comparison of other families, homeschooling and not, um, that I, in the beginning, I felt like I lost sight of asking the Lord how to give the best to my kids. And now that's where we're at. And he is providing and bringing things to the surface. And I'm in awe I'm, my kids are actually schooling and homeschooling me, um, I feel like, at this point. And I hear some moms say, like, I just couldn't do it, or I've tried and it just didn't work for me. And I feel that that's um, false. I do know that every family is different. The dynamic of everything is different. But I feel like God provides a way in this climate, in this culture, and in the state that we do live in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like there really is no other safe way to provide for our children than um, giving them what we value. And for me and for my four walls, um, that's Christ first. Mm-hmm. And with that, if I have my um, priorities of God first, um, training my children to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind, and using Jesus as a servant leader, as a model, and then reading, writing, and arithmetic, like those other things, they, they fall into place. Um, but I feel like I had it backwards in the beginning. So simplifying right now, asking God, what do you want for my kids each year? Um, and then that changes, as Anita said, you know, curriculum you purchased and you thought was a good fit for one isn't for others or changes for that one at yeah. some point even, you know, um, and being okay with that, looking at my children as whole beings and not as only a seventh grader and only a ninth grader. And what is, you know, what is their future going to look like if they don't master algebra one? Ah, um, yeah, it just simplify. I just, I, I'm focusing on simplifying. Okay. So um, yes, definitely seek first the kingdom and everything falls into place. I do, I do feel like over the years that the way that God put things into place may not have been the way I want to put them into place. <laughs> but in hindsight, now that, that I'm on the other end of it, now that my kids are grown um, and graduated, it really is hindsight that all the academics was icing on the cake. Because they're going to get all that. They're going to get it all. It's truly the relationship between um, us and God and our kids and their relationship with God and their relationship with us and with with their siblings. That's really what it's all about. So, But I'm sure all the mamas out there who have, you know, Mm -hmm. large families or at least two or more, um, give us a glimpse into what your 
I hate to use this word typical, right? Because there's never really a typical day. <laughs> and never. as you said, Anita, organic. Okay. But if you could describe what a, a typical day for your homeschooling, what that looks like for a large family. I mean, you got four different kids at different levels, different genders, different needs, different strengths and weaknesses. What does your day look like? I think every day for us, I really did try to stick to starting it the same. So that meant um, basket time slash devotional. Um, when they were little, littler, uh, basket time was devotional, praying, and then, you know, some of our read aloud. And then my little littles would be, one would be nursing while I'm whipping out a, you know, a math workbook um, and then putting down for a nap while I'm then working on a comprehension worksheet or something in that regard. And then we were done by noon, you know, um, it, the, uh, days team, with the days, the days, <laughs> the days seemed short. And I, that was in the beginning too, where people would really say, you're done already. I can't believe you're finished already. And I felt like I had to qualify what I was doing. And I think that's kind of some of where my more of, um, curriculum and academic focus started to come in of just feeling like I was doing enough for them compared to um, our, our, their cousins or, or anyone else who was in traditional school. Um, but then it evolved. Um, what I love, love, love now um, is we still hold true to that starting with um, devotional time. I now have each morning each kid does the devotional. They they can pick whatever devotional. They pick scripture that they've been working on or reading through. And so they run that, that session in the morning. And then from there, it's kind of like tag team. My bigs will help my youngers. And that has been a load lifted in that regard. And I love watching the dynamic of their relationships with each other. Um, being able to say, hey, you know, for my number one, can you help number four with her math today? And there'll be some grumbling or they don't care for the way that they're, you know, this, I don't like the way she tries to tell me what to do, but then they have to work through it and their relationship together has um, deepened. And I get to step back and not have to always be the, you know, the harsh lady trying to make you do everything you don't want to do. And then there's the days where none of that works out and I feel like I'm failing and nothing really gets done. And now with simplifying, I will pull out our read aloud. We will just do the read aloud and then I will send them off to work on stuff individually if we needed to have just full separate time that day and just be okay with that, giving myself grace in that but then still trying to get back on track the next day. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's I have, add, I have to add just to that little thing where you said it's important for us to know when we need space. People always crack up when I say each one of my kids has a place where I will send them to so they can each work in a different room right. because there are days when we cannot be in the same place together <laughs> and it's better if we're not. And I also, I have this written down for later, but I was like, I also have mummy time out. It is something that I have learned over the years 
to put myself on time out when things are not going quite the way that I thought that they would go. And I can feel everything kind of escalating. Sometimes when I remove myself and just say, I'm putting myself on timeout. I'll be back in 15 minutes. I will be in my room. The kids know not to disturb me. Leave me alone. And it quietens them down too. So yes. I still do that. I live by that right now. Yeah, it's, it's necessary. It's to- that's totally necessary. Yeah, I had a lot of mommy timeouts. Yeah, you can ask, <laughs> you can ask my youngest about <laughs> those. <laughs> I'm sorry, Anita, you were going to say something? I was going to say there are some times that you suddenly realize that things are not going the way you want them to. And it's not actually your child's fault. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. You're not handling the situation well. So putting yourself on timeout is actually putting the problem on timeout. So mm-hmm. um, all I was going to say is I agree with Jessica. I'm also a scheduled person. So we discovered after a couple of years of very regimented school at home, we tried to take it a little bit more relaxed and let everybody do what they wanted to in the time that they wanted to. And that did not work for us. We realized that if my kids needed a time to get up, they needed to know when they were expected to be at the table, what was expected from them. So in the beginning, we did exactly the same thing. Devotional was time of basket time. Basket time would have all kinds of things from music to missionaries to artists, lots of fun things. And basket time basically in the beginning was everything. I mean, we could even do math. And when basket time was done at lunchtime, we were done. But as they've got older, we've kept hold of basket time, but we've just separated devotional time from Bible. Bible is now in the loop. But um, devotional time, we now do at 8 a.m. in the morning and everybody gets about 30 minutes to go get their stuff, clean up, do whatever they need to do and come back to the table. We also include and have for many years included history in our time together because social studies was one thing that I realized we could do together no matter what their level was. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody could read about history together and they could do different worksheets that they needed to write stuff or color stuff, whatever. We could hit it at the right, the right age level for them. Um, and I always leveled up when it came to teaching the kids together. We just aimed for the oldest um, and then simplified what we could for the younger ones if they needed us to, or they just went along for the ride. You know, they were learning from just listening. Um, we also did grammar together. We still actually do grammar together because the grade six easy grammar book is like the Bible. So we just work our way through that in loop time. And I don't care if they know it. We just do it together. And we do diagramming together sometimes. The only thing that we've never done together really is math. And we always did that after basket time because it was the time of day when attitudes would start to fly. Math just has a very negative, brings out a negative reaction in some of my kids. Let's put it that way. We've tried changing curriculum sometimes and we had this one curriculum and I'm not going to say what it was, but it was so easy for me because I had to do absolutely nothing and the kids whizzed through it. They got it all done and it was one of those years when we actually finished the math book and I got to the end of the year and I questioned my kids on what they knew and they knew nothing. <laughs> so 
the next year we went back to the harder curriculum, the one that needed me to help teach and the kids moaned about. But by the end of that next year, they knew so much more. But I'm also a, I'm discovered with each kid that it's not quantity of work that matters. It's what they're retaining. So I will forgive me, but I will not do a full lesson some days. I will let them do three questions. Mm -hmm. And if they get those three questions right, we have succeeded for the day. Because there would be days when one child, if she did a full lesson of Saxon, would be doing it for two and a half hours. And that just was not going to fit with our family life. So we've had to kind of curtail that and make it work. So we actually have um, Kate's Restaurant that happens at lunchtime. Right. Kate's got into, she's my youngest. She's got into the habit of writing out a menu and offering people what they want and making it. And then what we do at lunchtime is we have um, watched videos together or talked or read together. But the videos we've watched, like when they were younger, we would do Liberty Kids or um, the Magic School Bus. Mm -hmm. And just a year ago, we did um, Hillsdale College's Constitution 101 together mm -hmm. and just watched one video when we could at lunchtime and Miracles by William Federer. So things that would hit them all. I mean, honestly, the two youngest sitting through the Constitution 101 was probably quite a chore for them, but they could answer the questions at the end. So it was worth it. And then our afternoon was now it's doing all the other subjects that need to be done and homework for classes, which takes up time and piano and extracurricular activities. So I was going to say now we pretty much have to be done with school by 2 or 2.30 to get to our afternoon activities. But on the one day a week that we actually don't have any activities, my husband will come home at 6 o'clock and sometimes find us still going. Wow. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's the Saxon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well, I think you might be right there. It might be bad and I know which child too, so I'm not going to say anything. Um, but you guys had kind of touched on some of this already. But when the kids were younger and you had toddlers and babies, right? Um, how did you handle that? And then when and Anita kind of already started to talk about this too. When you had like you know that senior and that junior in high school, but yet you still had you know a fourth grader or a fifth grader, um, or like in my case, you know I had one that hated textbooks and didn't want to do anything with textbooks and the other one who had to do everything hands-on and he was dyslexic, right? So how, how did you guys not lose your mind trying to plan, you know, I'm saying in quotes, plan um, your week or your month, or let's just, let's just be real, your day, you know, when you have not only so many kids, but so many levels and then maybe there's a toddler or baby in the mix or there's someone that has, um, you know, uh, special uh, challenges or they just need more, more of you. You know what I mean? H how did you guys manage that with four kids? Um, I, I feel like <laughs> uh, that's something that looking back, um, I could have definitely done better at. And what I would have desired, what I really would have loved was, would have been to have support. 
um, through a grandparent or, um, you know, on my wish list, an aunt or someone who, um, you know, could have been here as well and another adult. Um, I'm fortunate that my husband works close and he would come home, does still come home for lunch every single day. But there was a period of time and he confessed to it where he would just not come home for lunch every once in a while because when he came home, it it was pure um, chaos. It, it, was, it was just not, things were not running well. And that was a time where everybody still needed a little bit of me to push to that next step in their curriculum, whether it was reading um, comprehension or it was math. Uh, we too, after basket time and devotional would go straight into math. But then I had to adjust that because every single person needed me to help teach them that portion of math. And I couldn't, I literally was, hold on a minute. And then I walk over to the other table. Okay, hold on a minute. And then I'm getting angry at each child for having a question. <laughs> And then getting angry at them for not asking questions. It was just not working well. So we had to rotate. I did have to create like a little agenda or schedule on who was going to do what when. It could take them as long as they needed um, in that moment. But then we had to pick it back up the next day if it was a concept that they still weren't getting. Mm -hmm. If they did get the concept, as Anita was saying, then I would like check that off and we're moving on. I... I Pushed past that point of having to finish every question of every, especially mm -hmm. math problem. Um, we, I just had I, literally to open my hands each morning and say, okay, Lord, here's my plan. And ask the kids for help, like involve them in this, in the concept of everybody's going to need a little something today. I need your, I need you guys to be flexible and help me, help me help you. If you need help, we kind of worked into a rhythm of being able to, uh, my oldest, like I said, helping my youngest in some of the, you know, easier things and then saying, okay, I need you to set that aside. We'll come back to that. Um, but there, you know what, honestly, there was, there was really no perfect days. As far as maybe curriculum was concerned, I feel like the perfect days, I have such a vivid memory of um, feeling frustrated when I said, working with my number four on something who is has dyslexia as well. So things and and just attention in general, things just would take a little longer, or easily easily frustrated. Um, and so I would say to the others, I'll be back in a minute. Well, a minute would turn into you know half hour. I come back and everybody's gone and. They're stinking playing Legos and shuffling yep. cards and Barbies. And I'm looking around, losing my mind saying, didn't I just tell you, like, you need to stay on track. And then I literally, it, it was like the Holy Spirit covering my mouth and yanking me back into the hallway. And it like literally brings me to tears to even think about it and saying, this is what you want to cultivate. Like, this is the culture you want. And I just got to step back and watch them play and enjoy each other mm -hmm. and realized in the future, I want them to want to be with each other mm -hmm. and all of the other things will fall into place on diagramming sentences. And, mm -hmm. and, and not every day can be like that. I get mm -hmm. that. But um, 
I had to step back in my personality and relish in the relationships and the culture that I wanted to cultivate and um, the schedule of my day had to um, go by the wayside sometimes. And, and that had to be okay. If my husband came home at the end of the day and everybody was in good moods, he already knew like this was a good day, whether math got done or not, mm-hmm. this was a good day. Yeah. My husband yeah. and you guys know him, so you, you can appreciate this. Um, he stopped asking very early on when he got home. <laughs> So what did you guys learn today? (laughs) Sometimes he wasn't going to like the answer or the (laughs) non-answer. So he just stopped asking. Um, But I'm sorry, Anita, what were you going to say? I was going to say, my husband, if he comes home and I'm playing worship music, he's like, oh, bad day. (laughs) Like, that's a really bad sign that just because I'm playing worship music, you know how my day went. But I was going to say too that Throughout each stage of life, each child dictated more what our schedule was going to be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when we had a baby, the baby's schedule was the most important. So we worked around that. A toddler who was napping, we worked around that. If we knew that they needed to do more activities in the morning together, things that they could be involved in, we could get math done when they were asleep. We could get the more academic stuff done when they were napping if they napped on the days that they didn't again they would be the days that we would just have to take off and go and do something I think it's a constant struggle as a homeschooling mom to be able to balance when to let go and when to push because you want your kids to do the work that you've set for them you want them to but you also want them to enjoy and when I have bad days, if I have a bad day, I don't always want to work. So if I've got a child that's struggling and it's just not going to happen that day, I want to be able to say, okay, we're not going to do that. Let's do this today. Mm-hmm. Having four kids makes that extremely difficult because if each child has an off day once a week, you might as well <laughs> say goodbye to homeschooling. It's like the week is gone. So that's a constant struggle trying to work out Where am I supposed to lay down the law and say, no, you will get this done. And when am I supposed to say, okay, you know what? It's okay. I understand life is not good right now. Let's go do. But I also know that um, with my son, he started doing an online math class. So we started scheduling certain things around the time of his class. When he had math, everybody had class. Everybody would do math. And then obviously if he had an early morning, like he actually had an eight o'clock, we wouldn't start our official school day until he was done at nine with encouragement to the girls, please get some other stuff done. Doesn't always happen, but that was the idea. But yeah, I do. I think it's a constant struggle as a mom knowing how to schedule, when to keep the schedule and when to loosely let it go. And I think both of you, um, cause I've watched you, um, homeschool and I've watched you be moms, but you really are very, very good uh, at one, uh, relying on the Holy Spirit to kind of whisper in your ear. But you guys are really good at figuring out, is this a character problem that we're having? Do I need to push through because this particular child is trying to get out of it again? Or is it a heart issue? Is there something going on that I need to probe 
and find out, you know, why, why is his or her heart hurting? Um, and you guys are really good at that. And I think that's part of the struggle because a lot of times, at least I know for me, I'm, I would be more pessimistic and think they were just trying to get out of stuff. And I would always go to the character issue instead of the, no, this might be a heart issue. And I think that's part of the beauty of homeschooling too. We get to be there for everything. We get to be there for the aha moments. We get to be there for the, the big accomplishments, but we also get to be there for them when they're going through something you know, difficult or hard or a big disappointment. We're the ones that get to walk with them and and uh, pray with them and pray over them. And so, um, yeah. so I know we've talked a lot about the different challenges that come with um, homeschooling large families. But what would you say is the greatest blessing of homeschooling a large family? Relationship. I mean, Jessica said it too. Watching your kids grow up and learn for themselves and then be willing to hand on the stuff that they have learned to their siblings to want to be with them and the the privilege of being around your kids all the time i know some people are like oh i would hate to be around my kids that long and there are days that I'd like to escape but most of the time i love my kids i love being around them i like them as people they're funny. <laughs> I, I enjoy being with them. I even told them they were making a ton of noise today in the car. And I was like, okay, guys, I, if I was stranded on a desert island, you are the people that I would want to be stranded with, <laughs> even though you're really loud. <laughs> but that's, that's what we've cultivated. I, I really hope and pray that my kids never feel alone because they've always got each other. And even with my oldest going off to university this year, I'm like, I'm going to be here for you anytime. And I know she's going to be calling. I know that I'll still be a lifeline because that's what we've developed. That's what we've cultivated over the years. Um, and there's no way that would have happened if they'd gone to school. There's no way that we would have gone through the ups and downs that we've gone through, but built a relationship that is just too precious for words. I, I would definitely agree. Um, I would say relationship and, and the culture that we've created um, within our four walls. My husband and I, we've made an effort consciously to do things differently um, than what we were given and different than what, you know, the culture, the standard culture is. And when my kids will come to me and say, you know, well, so-and-so doesn't do this. And I'm like, yes, then we're doing it right. Um, <laughs> you know, if we're going the opposite of where everybody else is going, then I, then I feel um, that we're doing it right. But always, always with the Holy Spirit's leading with, with God's word guiding us. Um, and I, I wasn't raised in that way. So it's been really hard to uh, break that and, and to change our legacy. Um, relationship is what I love about how we um, do life now um, and adding academics into that slash homeschooling. And um, I wish as I would have asked for help um, sooner, but I don't even know who I, I would have asked that for. I think relationship outside of my four walls is really invaluable. Um, being a part of putting, putting yourself out there and, and joining a co-op or, just asking other veteran homeschool moms, um, dropping any pride 
<laughs> and and saying, hey, how did you do this? And it shouldn't look the same as another homeschooling mom. It actually should not. I think that's a trap we can get caught up in. Um, mm-hmm. The comparison trap, especially in homeschooling, actually, the comparison trap. There's so many amazing little agendas and Pinterest mommies on there, but um, there's a reality of asking for help and then receiving someone's insight and then taking it and cultivating it into your way of doing something. Um, and just taking and borrowing from everybody. Most moms that I've asked help or how did you do this? Most moms have been full open-handed and offering me um, curriculum or ideas. And then if I take it and run with it, great. And if I don't, great. Um, so relationship, relationship. I love the relationship that my children have with each other. At summer camps, they've all been at summer camp this summer, but at different times, it's been interesting, the lull in the house, not having certain children here. There is um, kind of like a sadness of missing each other and watching them longing for each other as much as they were poking each other out the door when they were leaving. Um, we've been sitting here at these handful of different nights on different weeks saying, gosh, it's it's different. It doesn't feel right. And so, yeah, God, God gave them, we tell them all the time, God gave you to each other on purpose. That's not an accident. And you're, you're, you're each other's siblings on purpose and um, being able to be home and learning in this environment, even though we were outside taking classes now, but still back home, they are each other's people. And um, we get to watch that. And I, I wouldn't change that. There's been lots of hard days, but I, I wouldn't change that for anything. Um, their future as adults together is going to be so much more enriched because of what they've been offered here in this crazy home. <laughs> well, Jessica, you did a great job of, of kind of summarizing this for us, but, you know, beginning to give um, encouragement. Um, or advice, but to, to close this out, especially in case my internet kills on us again, um, what words of encouragement or advice would you give to moms that you haven't already said um, that are feeling overwhelmed or outnumbered <laughs> um, or just at a loss of, I'm not really sure I could, I could homeschool all my kids? Um, I would say, but God, um, just Amen. but God. Um, <laughs> I I love uh, Carrie's book, Just Breathe, a uh, mm-hmm. little plug, but it's true. Um, her book to me is something that I revisit at least once a year, uh, but I go back through for snippets and then um, homeschooling from rest. Yes. Um, those, those two books I piggyback off of, and they just remind me of why we said yes to this in the beginning. Um, but without God, this would not be where we're at today. And I wouldn't be able to see it for what it is today. Um, There's definitely a lot of things I might, I can definitely check off and say, didn't do well, didn't do well, didn't do well, according to the world standards, but according to the Lord's standards, um, we're hitting his marks. And that's, that's better to me than, than anything else. Amen. And Anita, what words of encouragement would you give? Well, I'm going to go back to one thing that 
um, Jessica said about relationships. I remember the first time I was pregnant, somebody came up to me and said, oh, you're going to be a mom. Now, don't lose yourself. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to say because your kids take up so much of your life. And I've had to learn over the last couple of years not to live my kids' failures, the successes, Mm -hmm. how they're doing academically and take it all personally because my body is not capable of carrying all of that. Only um, I can only do this with God's help. I need to be able to separate who I am physically from who I'm supposed to be to these kids. So my, my advice would be stick it out. <laughs> Definitely stick it out. It's some worth it. Some years are amazing. Some weeks are amazing. Some days are amazing. And others are not. Um, and academically, each year may be an amazing success. Or it may not be. But again, kids learn at different paces. Don't judge your child against somebody else's child. And if you can help it, don't judge them against the school standards. It's not worth it. Um, The journey is amazing. So enjoy it as much as you can. And don't judge your success on what you've achieved and what you can show at the end of every year. Judge it on the kids and their development of character. Are they nice people? Do they love Jesus? And do other people like them? I think that should be some of our measurements of success. And then commit your day and your children to God every day. Because what you can't handle, he can handle. If attitudes are bad and tensions are high, don't forget to play worship music. (laughs) It changes the atmosphere. (laughs) Get outside. It changes every attitude. And if you can't do either of those two, just read together. Mm -hmm. But don't try snuggling up on the couch reading together. It does not work. The (laughs) pictures lie. I love it. I I love it too. Pictures (laughs) Pictures do lie. Yes. Well, thank you guys. You were, you're such uh, inspiration. You're such, um, I love the thing I love most about you too. You're just so transparent and you don't take yourselves too seriously. (laughs) And you just always put God first and family. Um, And I just love that. Thank you for bearing with this awful internet um, I had. And, um, but hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So thanks guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Love you. Thank you. Love you too. Thank you for hanging out with us and for joining us for this little coffee and conversation. If this is your first time joining me, you can find me at my website, coffeewithcarry.org. I also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at my Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. And don't forget to check out my book that Jessica referred to. It's called Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you're new to homeschooling or you're looking for ways to simplify like Jessica, then this is a perfect book to read. If you heard something you liked or something new, then share a podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week or with a friend who will be homeschooling multiple kids or homeschooling a large family. If you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast and then take a few minutes to leave a little review. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, my book, and our homeschooling mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. 
It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooled and consulting services, my podcast, and my book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.